Hello, my friends. Today, Joel is talking to Brian, CIO and CTO at Propio, and they discuss the importance of having language translation and interpretation services readily available in healthcare and legal environments, how Propio offers on-demand interpreters in hundreds of languages, and how better collaboration and more transparency will empower your employees. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Well, dude, I am so excited. My team prepped me on like Propio and the moment I heard it, I was like, well, obviously that needs to exist in the world. Can you give me like a brief description of what it is? Yeah, we're a language service company. So it's interesting because until you get involved with language services, you don't necessarily even know that companies like us exist. Essentially, we're a communication provider for mostly healthcare entities where a patient comes in and English is not their primary language. And so by using our service, we connect to interpreters real time. We can do it over the phone as a direct dial, but mostly we allocate most of our resources towards our app and via audio or video you can request an interpreter real time in over 300 languages and all medically trained as well as some being legally trained as well and then have that real-time translation to make sure that a provider is getting all the information through to their patient in their natural language so are, are hospitals like your customers? Hospitals, provider networks, medical systems, you name it. Um, even some just individual family practices. Oh, nice. Have you guys integrated with any sort of like call management software? So like somebody calls me up, they have super broken English and I can like click some buttons and I can get someone on the line to help? We actually, so there's a couple things that we do, one of which is we're backbone by Twilio. So there's a huge help there with, you know, the overall network quality. That's a benefit for, of ours. Originally, when Propio started, they had their own, their own SIP network. So they were doing all this telephony by themselves. We're implementing now some of the qual- additional quality controls that allows both the clients, so provider in that case, as well as the interpreter or the, or sometimes even a third party's in, like a family member, to give real-time feedback on the overall quality. One component as well that we're implementing is more of a real-time analytical feedback system that tells participants in the call about their network quality. For example, if they're in the hospital system, hey, move the card around, get a better Wi-Fi signal, or you know, telling uh, an interpreter to make sure that they're not on Wi-Fi and they're hardwired in to get the optimal bandwidth and to, uh, video performance. So it's a continuous quality improvement. My day is mostly data. <laughs> you know, it's it's just around quality. Right before this, I was pulling stats on length of calls and which channels had any particular difficulties in terms of fulfillment and things like that. And so we're using that data as output that drives essentially the input to our backlog for continuous improvement. It's, a, it's an interesting world. When you're audio and video, it's a totally different dynamic than normal software development. Oh, yeah. A long time ago, I did a legal software for remote depositions. So you would bring in all these different parties and then you could like present documents and it would all be transcribed. But dealing with the multiple video feeds, oh, there are so many little things that go into it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, and a lot of what we do, 
know, for example, it, things as basic as having additional apps open, too many tabs open in your browser, all that degrades video quality because no matter what you think as an end user, that's all consuming, one, CPU and memory, two, it's consuming bandwidth because it, even though you might think they're dormant, they're still communicating uh, via the back end. So when you're trying to have high resolution, 1080p, video quality, anything is going to degrade it. So there's a lot of additional effort. Even with using a partner like Twilio, there's a ton of additional software engineering effort to make sure that you're always choosing the best route, optimizing the video performance, dealing with codecs and resolutions, even configurations such as the screen size or the video size um, within the window in our app versus you know what an interpreter might want to see in terms of full screen. All that impacts our ability to produce a high bar of quality for the real-time interpretation. And then what does your team look like? So I have, it depends on what time of the day is, what hat I'm wearing, but I am technically the CTO, that's what's like in writing, but I'm the chief information officer, I'm the CISO, I'm a product manager, software development manager, you know, coffee, coffee evangelist, you name it. Um, (laughs) But the majority of my team is split up across software engineering, IT operations, and architecture. So my all very lean. Uh, That was one amazing thing when I joined the company. Uh, It's been a bootstrap type of initiative, very startup culture, even though the company's been around since 1998. And so it's very lean staff and we work in frugal metrics around prioritization. And that's been a huge benefit in terms of getting the right investment, hiring the right resources, not just the quantity of resources. And then also having good conversations with my peers at the executive level and our CEO around what we should be doing, not what we think we should be doing. So it's roughly a 20-person organization right now. Uh, I've got about eight open positions that I'm looking to recruit for and hire through the end of the year. Oh, let's let's give them some promotion. What are you looking for? (laughs) So mostly software engineering. You know, one thing that I've been doing myself, I've been to compliance leader too. So I'm dealing with all the HIPAA compliance and SOC 2 and being a healthcare entity and having to do BAAs with most of our customers. They all require assessments, questionnaires, audits. Um, so I, I do a lot of that work myself. Um, so I'm hiring a compliance person. Need an additional quality assurance engineer, about four senior software engineers. And then we're looking for another system admin, uh, another network admin, and an information security engineer. Whew. Do you have them uh, on, on Propio.com? Is it Propio.com? By the software way? engineers are out there. The others, uh, it's about that time where the job descriptions are already in the hands of our, our HR department and they're approving all the recs to get them published out. Um, but they will very shortly be on Propio-LS.com. Anybody who's watching, please, you know, LinkedIn me, hit me up if you want to come work on on a great uh, opportunity in terms of changing people's lives and bridging that communication gap globally. It's a great opportunity to work in in this environment. Yeah, you're over at Amazon with like crazy high performers and you choose to leave that to go do this. Like, why? (laughs) Yeah, I get asked that, I don't know, five times a day. (laughs) So the, the long, long story, but short is I didn't want to leave. I was with AWS. I, you know, I'd been in this role before. It was certainly a career goal, but it wasn't necessarily the right fit for me. And I went back to AWS because I liked the scale, I liked the speed. 
and the folks at Propio had been reaching out to me several times, which I politely declined. <laughs> and they were super persistent though. And they just said, Hey, you know, just talk to Marco, Marco is our CEO. So I scrappily put together a resume and just, you know, I have my own business. And while I was working with AWS, I had done a few jobs and with uh, some private equity firms around due diligence in terms of investments, which was a blast, honestly. So I just thought about it as, hey, you know, I can help them. Maybe I just help them as an advisor. Maybe I just can, you know, contribute in some way. And then I talked to Marco and everything changes. You know, Marco and I both came into the conversation with, you know, our ammunition, our, our cheat sheet of here's all the questions I'm going to ask you. And I don't think either one of us actually got to any one of our actual questions. It was just open dialogue. We were just talking about the business, business sense, our passions around technological growth and solving problems for people, which was the one main common denominator. It wasn't all about scale. It wasn't all about technology investment for technology's sake. It wasn't, it wasn't a talking head. It was, we need to work together because this is a huge problem in our industry, especially in the healthcare environment. And we've got this technology that is almost over the finish line and we need someone to come in who has that scalability and strategic capability, not just from a technical sense, but also a business mind and push this forward. And so going into that conversation, just wanting to talk to someone, you know, about potential of maybe consulting or doing a couple of things on the side and turn into almost a two hour conversation and hanging up and realizing I want to work with this guy, you know, super smart, scrappy, and he knew exactly where he wanted to go. And a lot of times, most companies don't necessarily know that. They aspire, but they don't have that vision. They don't have that path to get there. And Marco knew exactly where he wanted to go. And he knew exactly what his gaps were in terms of you know being able to get there. And 11 months now, I'm almost here a year, a year in like three weeks. And it's been exactly what we talked about. Um, of course, you know, there's obstacles along the way. Nothing... Nothing fun and worth doing uh, comes easily, but it's exactly what we talked about over a year ago in that initial conversation. So that's why I came. Uh, Marco ended up being the person that I wanted to work with. I wanted to work side by side with him. And I felt like there was value. And, and that's important. If I can contribute and be valuable to the company, I think it's a win-win. Well, yeah. I mean, we spend so much of our lives at work. Like the people that you're whether you realize it or not, you're choosing to spend your time around these people. Exactly. Because it is a choice. And so you get to choose who you spend your time with. And so there's a huge benefit to being around somebody that you really click with and someone who has a vision to where they're going. I completely resonate with you when you say a lot of people don't necessarily know where they're going. I would 100% agree. Of all the travel I've gotten to do and all the different companies I've gotten to see, I'd say it's more often than not, you can ask the question, how does what you're doing connect to revenue? And you'll get blank stares. Or you could say, you know, what's the future? And then you'll get like a list of pipeline features. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, what's, where are you going? Like, what's the future? And they're like, shut up. Look at the Twilio board or whatever. Yeah, yeah no, I, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, one of the first things I did with Marco was to help the organization understand where resources were being invested and ask that question exactly. How does what we're doing tie back to a return on investment? Do we actually know that 
this prioritized feature or deprecating a third-party tool in favor of something homegrown is going to provide the value that we think it will. Like, where's the data, you know, from the current state against the forecasted state? And then how are we going to measure that? And that ended up turning into, one, it was very difficult at first, right? Because it was so used to small shop, do, do the next thing on my mind. But then it ended up being this amazing collaboration between Marco and I and the, the additional folks at, at the leadership level around we got all these ideas in the backlog, but what really matters? What's really going to differentiate us from our competitors and what features or you know infrastructure or network investments or scalability tasks that we had in our backlog are really going to move that dial towards you know lowering the operational expense, scaling our business out to where onboarding new clients is more turnkey and therefore almost creating free revenue streams because there's no additional effort from our business folks or our technology folks to actually do anything to get new clients. And it was an eye-opening, amazing exercise. None of us like long meetings. That was a long meeting, but we came out of it with a very direct approach in terms of this is what we're going to work on moving forward. And the best part about that is we all agreed. There was some you know, bait and switch and a little bit of negotiation for sure. But it allowed us to then two weeks later have a discussion about a new feature and go back, back to the table and say, hey, we prioritize all this. And we said that this was, you know, this particular feature was going to be a highest revenue generator for us to invest software engineering resources. Tell me how this new feature that you're asking about is going to either have higher revenue or the same. And we walked and did through, you know, did a whiteboarding session around the math, around the problem. And we came out and go, great, let's deprioritize what we're going to work on. Let's work on this. We've since delivered that. Now we're back to the original. And so just it set that level playing field around our opportunities to work together and make better overall business decisions, not just for a feature sake or not just for the technology sake. And that was a game changer in terms of, you know, working all together as an executive leadership team. And like I said, it's been amazing. Um, this is the best leadership team I've worked with. We gel, we all have the same goals in mind and, you know, getting that vision and strategy down and, and actually having objectives and, and, results that we drive to for each of our individuals that tie back to specific company goals has been a game changer and unblurring those lines between what is it that I do that adds value back to the business to your point before. Oh, yeah. Now, you've always had really good leadership. Actually, one of your, from our interview that we did when you were at Datalink, one of the quotes that you talked about it actually ended up in the book that's about to come out. Oh, nice. I think you're talking about change isn't easy. I think that's what it is. Culture and change. I'd ask you something and your response was so good. I, when we were looking through, like we had, you know, probably a thousand clips because we take a couple clips from every show and we were like, how do we narrow this down to like the 20 we're going to include in a book? And then I saw yours. I was like, that's the one we need to put him in there. So I'll let you know when that comes out. Oh, that's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. So, all right, I'm curious. My team told me, they said, you got to ask him what the difference between translation and interpretation is. Yeah, so great, great question. I'll add another one. There's a difference between translation and localization too. So translation is more document translation or dictating, like us talking to each other and then a 
you know, machine learning or AI algorithm running in the background and translating in real time to another language. We do translation services. We have a document translation arm working with us. Um, we, we have a software platform that does that. And it's a, it's a decent book of business. Interpretation is live. And that is just like you would see in a UN console, right? You've got all these representatives from all across, across the globe. Someone is speaking um, at the pulpit in one language and the folks that are not, that do not speak that language fluently have headphones on and are listening to an interpretation uh, in real time. And that's the main book of our business. So that would be over the phone. Literally, we have 1-800 numbers that some of our clients call and they'd use an IVR system that we've built to select the right language uh, and the right localization of said language or right dialect. And then uh, we do video ones, so real time. The third component of that is localization. And localization is more that specific dialect range. So good example, I mean, even in the U.S., we can use the U.S. as an example. We all use different dialects in the United States, right? The Northeast has their own, Midwesterners have our own, West Coast, Southern, and that's more localization. So it's, you know, using common terms, but getting more specific to a region-based dialect. And that's a, com- that's a bigger component mostly in our translation book of business because written word is harder, especially when it comes to specific regions and, co- and countries. So the localization component, it exasperates, it exacerbates that problem, right? Because you're not just doing you know, English to German, you're doing English to mu- multiple dialects of German. And so that, you know, that tree structure, that maze becomes even more complicated. Now, is this, by the way, I love that we started talking about localization because I don't know if if you know this, but I'll go off topic here for a second. That's all right. About a year ago, we sold everything we had, bought an RV and traveled around the U.S. for like seven to 10 months. (laughs) Yeah. And so when you're talking about the different dialects, oh yeah, very, very different. Yeah. And I guess we're kind of selfish when we think about that, right? We, we don't think of us having different dialects, but it's fact. You know, it's part of my previous experience and having done international technology with, with Amazon opened my eyes to that, you know. It's the same concept of, you know, every country has provinces or states, even though to us it's just a country. Each one of those provinces and states has different slang, different dialect. And, and it becomes even more complicated when you're doing that in written word from a translation perspective. It's, it's pretty amazing because one uh, certain, what we would consider generic terms don't translate well into other languages. I went through that specifically when I was with Amazon my first time. We were trying to translate resolved as a term that we would send back to people who open cases in our system. And I, got, I had to get on the phone with editors because I had to explain to them what I meant by resolve because that word, for example, didn't translate directly into German. And I said, well, it's been satisfactorily closed, you know, like, okay, we can work with that. But we take things for granted that when you start to expand globally, you realize it's, it's a lot more complicated than just speaking English and thinking that there's just a normal, distinct translation to that in another language. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, definitely. Language is fascinating. We're all making these weird noises with our mouth and there's hundreds <laughs> of them and they're everywhere. Now, one when I saw your product, I thought, wow, that's super exciting. And I'll tell you why, because I have personal experience with this. Very little, but still some. 
couple years ago, I'd seen some company doing something in, uh, I think it was China, and I wanted to like either buy them, try to buy them, or partner with them, right? So I look them up. Well, they don't speak English like fluently. I was watching some of the clips. I was trying to find clips of them online and things like that. And so I was like, all right. So I went on Upwork, tried to like find a translator. And like it, it was this whole mess. And ultimately, I just ended up like not pursuing it. And it was ex- exactly that. Like the translator I did find was like a college individual who doesn't have like business experience. They didn't know any of these terms, yeah. you know, necessarily well enough to translate. So I heard your service and I was like, well, that's so cool because you had something on your website and Adam Sage had told me something about like, they're specifically skilled in healthcare language and terms, or they're specifically skilled in business language and terms. And that is so cool, man. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a big differentiator from us and our competitors as well, because when we look to go and respond to RFPs, that's a specific ask because these conversations are highly technical in terms of medical terminology. So we have a rigorous onboarding process where we do mock interviews with uh, potential interpreters that we're going to use. And we vet them in terms of their ability, one, to speak clearly and be presentable as well, you know, but at the same time, you know, understand the medical terminology to be able to effectively communicate because this is critical conversation. This is not you and I just chit-chatting, right? This is somebody in a medical situation. We tend not to be in emergency situations just because we don't want to put ourselves as a potential bottleneck in saving someone's lives. We are, I will say this though, as a caveat, our tablets are in emergency rooms in certain hospital systems though. And so if you're not a primary English speaker and someone's trying to explain to you your own care is very important, especially in this day and age where with COVID and a pandemic, paying attention to specific steps and dosages of of drugs or understanding exactly what your doctor is telling you is a diagnosis. It's important to be able to understand that and comprehend exactly what's happening whether it's a serious condition or not, right? You want to maintain your health. And that puts us in a position of hosting a platform that connects people to bridge that gap and give the patient confidence that they understand exactly what they need to do to take care of themselves. And another component of that that was important for us was additional family in the room. And this is an entirely virtual process. It's almost a full telehealth solution. And being a an older patient who wants a, a son or a daughter or a sibling on the call, we have that capability. We can add additional participants. We can add um, up to four additional participants to a call or video so that not just you as the patient, but multiple people are hearing direct from the provider through the interpreter exactly what's happening. And that also gives that sense of calm and ease back to patients as well, because it's not just a, you know, one-to-one situation, we open it up and allow for them to share that conversation with family members so that everybody's aware of what's going on. So it's, it's, a, it's a care system. It's really like a coordinated care platform. And that means a lot. Uh, means a lot to me. means a lot to be able to use my experience and technology background to actually build software that helps people. Now, is this something that I can just go on there and use? 
Like, or do, no, do I have that, to be? Um, it is contracted. So you do have to have a username and password. Uh, we do lots of pilots all the time. We have discussed opening it up for anyone and doing basically like a fee for service by the minute charge so that, you know, for frankly, if you or I were traveling abroad, we had a medical situation or, you know, we're just looking to have someone live to take our menu and, and order our food at, at a dinner. It's all capable of doing that. There's nothing stopping us. We have no country restrictions or anything like that. So it's definitely another uh, revenue stream that we have considered. We just haven't turned that switch on yet. That's my favorite play. Platform plays are like my favorite thing in the world yep. because, you know, you get somebody in a call center who constantly gets, you know, you get a development team in a call center constantly getting people that speak broken English and they would love to just build something for their call center to patch in someone and that would be so cool. I vote for that even though I have no voting power. <laughs> yeah. No, trust me. I, well, it's it's just like any experience when you got to when you need to ask for help. It's the most frustrating thing all of us have to deal with, especially in an engineer. I want to solve my own problems. Like I don't I don't want to have to call anybody and if I do have to reach out for support, I want knowledge articles, I want a way to chat. I want something that's easy for me to deal with. I certainly don't want to call anybody on the phone. It's like the last resort. So, I totally agree with you and and part of our 24/7 culture is to make as many people available to serve specific regions of the globe in their natural language, which is, you know, for example, why we have a high number of call centers out in in the Philippines, right? They're a heavy English speaking population. They're on the other end of the time zone that we are. So, you know, U.S. based companies can cover a single day through U.S. based resources as well as Philippine resources. But it's not just broken English. It's also connections and quality. Uh, the telephony is always a barrier. The network backbone is always a barrier. We're an AWS shop. So we're fully dispersed across multiple regions and multiple AZs in the US, which gives us a lot higher quality bar and allows us to leverage the edge compute services for external regions, even for, for example, a lot of our remote staff, remote interpreters and the like are on AWS workspaces. So we're you know, basically creating that own family concentric, you know, type of infrastructure that allows us to close those gaps and, and raise a higher bar for our quality. All things are on the table right now. And to your point, we've, we've made a conscious effort to build a platform and not necessarily have it be uh, provider that requests for a medical interpreter. We have other opportunities here where it could be, like you said, we have legal experts. So you could be in a legal situation where you're speaking with a paralegal or a lawyer. They can request our services as well. And we have interpreters that are versed and qualified and certified in legal terminology. But it really could be for used for anything. We're a communication platform. We use technology to bridge communication gaps, simple as that. We just happen to right now serve interpretation services, but there's no stopping us from opening that up for other use cases. You've got a huge TAM, <laughs> large potential market there for you. For sure. That's exciting, man. It's really exciting. I love what we're doing here. It's wonderful to build tech for tech's sake, and it's great to learn all that stuff. But when you do something that actually you can see the impact, you can feel the impact, 
it means a lot more. And that's always been something that I've wanted to achieve. That's why anytime, you know, my last decade, it's been Amazon or healthcare, because I, I know technology is a big player in the healthcare market. It is the biggest opportunity for a technical solution, especially when it comes to just data aggregation and data sharing. And what we do you don't realize it. it's billions of dollars in, in, in this industry to be able to help, you know, hospital systems and others in this oh, yeah. value-based care. My brother and stepmom are physicians. Oh. So great. Put them in touch with us. Let's get them on our platform. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. And my brother works for a larger healthcare system. And then my stepmom, she was the county emergency room person in one of the counties in Florida for 20 years before she opened up her own bariatrics business, but which is doing crazy well too. I was like, you nailed it. Way to go from like being an employee to being an entrepreneur. She did a really great job. That's awesome. And I've been to the emergency room when I was like a kid, you know, where, where she was working and I've, man, so many different languages, emergency rooms, like for anybody. Right. So you get someone in there and you know, Spanish typically pretty easy because there's a bunch of people that will speak Spanish, but you get some, you know, less common language in there. You need to be able to communicate with them to some degree. Yep. A hundred percent. We actually, the other one that we do, we do American sign language and that that's been, again, telehealth platforms don't offer that. A lot of hospital systems don't offer that. So us having, you know, ASL certified uh, interpreters available, that's a game changer for us. One other cool component that we have too, and it's related to hospital systems, we have this interpreter rewards program that we built out in Q4 of last year. So I don't know if you know this, but most hospital systems are required to have interpreters on staff. And it's not something that you can bill for. It's against the uh, Americans with Disabilities Act. And so if you have it, you can provide it. And those interpreters are not always staffed to be able to be fully utilized. So a couple of our clients actually helped us build this rewards program where it's uh, a partnership where we onboard the health system and we allow them to use our platform that if they make a call or a video request, we'll immediately attempt to route them to their own interpreter first. So that they're leveraging the staff that you're paying salaries for. If they're not available, then we'll service that call with Propio's interpreters. At the same time, however, if the opposite is true, we have another client that is requesting interpretive services and Propio can't fulfill it. We make their, that hospital systems interpretation staff available so that their day is more balanced and they actually have more on their plate and scheduled. So it's a mutual benefit in that model to where, you know, a hospital system can always route to their own interpreter if they're available, but also we can keep their interpreters busy and, you know, close that kind of salary gap. Um, so it's cost beneficial on both sides of the, of the agreement there. So, and that's been, it's been a big win for us. We have three people on board on that already. Nice. Dude, that is super exciting. Because you gave me such good leadership advice, not to put you on the spot, (laughs) but I'm going to put you on the spot and you can handle it. As we start to wrap up, I had in my notes, I was like, do not leave without asking Brian about what he's currently learning as a leader. Oh man, every place is a new learning opportunity. Okay. And one thing that I've learned here more so is better collaboration and more transparency provides empowerment and autonomy. Let me go into that a little bit. So 
when you're in a startup culture, when you come into an organization where people are doers, there tends to be isolated information sharing because you get a task and you just want to solve problems. And I love that. Don't get me wrong. I think that's amazing. I'm very much in the same. But at the same time, you run into the risk of becoming a single point of failure and or a bottleneck because now you or my peers are trying to solve every problem and you're not empowering or giving autonomy to your direct reports and developing them in their careers so that they can take a certain percentage of your work off your plate. Because the ultimate goal is when you hire someone, they should be taking some work off your plate, right? And then giving you time back. And so here, more so, it was... I had so much to do and I immediately jumped in and it was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. You know, I basically conducted my own like micro due diligence post hire and put together a plan. I shared that with some people, but to be candid, I didn't share it with everybody. And that caused some constraints and some of the folks on my team weren't as clear on what we were trying to achieve. And so I took a step back and Marco gave me really good advice. He's like, you got to bring your guys in more. And a part of it was, well, doing some reflection and going, well, I shouldn't have needed to bring them in because, you know, you're paying me to make those decisions, right? But on the flip, it's not just allow social cohesion, as we called it at Amazon, to where it's a democratic vote and everybody has to say yes in order to go that direction. It's more of walk your team through what your thought process is. And that's been a big differentiator since he and I had that conversation. Most everything now is, yes, I might go off into my ether and come up with an idea or strategy, but then it's immediately met with, hey, in my next one-on-ones or my next directs meeting, walk them through the business problem that I'm trying to solve and share my thought process with them. And that actually has opened it up into others being able to give more objective feedback and feeling more confident to give objective feedback and me hearing positions that I didn't necessarily think of and then being able to tweak it and making it a better process, better mechanism, a better idea or strategy. To me, that's something that I may have done in other places, but I wasn't doing very well here. And it's something that we all have to take into account. Just because you have some certain title doesn't mean you're the only decision maker. It doesn't mean you're the only one who can create. It doesn't mean you're the only one that can solve problems or come up with ideas. You can actually just kind of set just a, a little opportunity for others when you're explaining your thought process around you know, some of the things that you're trying to accomplish. So that was that for me here, that's been probably the most pertinent leadership advice that I had to give myself. (laughs) Well, I love it, man. I always enjoy talking to you. Is there anything that we want to get out there to the world that we haven't already discussed? Oh, man, I I want people to leave this conversation understanding the importance of language services. You know, to our point around the earlier conversation, most people are aware of translation and localization services. Amazon and Google, they've been doing that type of stuff for a long time. We're about using a platform to provide real human interactions. Now, are we thinking about what to do with those types of interactions from a technical perspective? Absolutely, because that's plentiful data that we can certainly redact anything from a PHI perspective and, and start to build some sentiment analysis across many languages. That's an important component of what we're trying to do. But the reality of it is, is, you know, 
this is a global economy. This is a global environment. I think the pandemic really taught us about the, the need for virtual and remote services. And it closes that gap that we think exists about being far from other people or from other cultures. And so this is a real need. You know, we're a very diverse country. To your point around, you know, Florida, the southern areas are very much hotbeds for immigrant population. You don't necessarily speak English proficiently and they need to be able to get the same quality of care that you or I get. And so this is a service that means something in the medical space and it's going to continue to mean something in the medical space as this global economy grows more and more. We're not just a U.S.-based company. We want to open this up for opportunities across the globe. So that would mean, you know, German to English type of translation or Mandarin to English type of translations. And so that's the most important thing. This is a necessity. I don't even think of it as a luxury. It's an absolute necessity. If you really care about people and you're focused on their quality of life and quality of care, this is a service that you absolutely need to adopt. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.